1: We shall pay any price, bear any burden,
0: meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world.
2: An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by
0: our
3: forefathers.
0: It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego
3: welcome 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 it's ed martin here on the pro america report great to be together thank you for joining and uh, let me uh, make sure hold on let me make sure the micro there we go we're all set um great to be here pro america report the ed martin with the pro america report so good to be with you hope you had a great weekend proamericareport.com proamericareport.com you go there my Substack. i put links there i put some long form writing updates there also sign up for the daily wink the daily wink comes out from the phyllis the eagles that goes out at 8 a.m east coast, east coast time every morning monday through friday go to sign up there and make sure you sign up the daily wink comes in gives you a few links a few thoughts and one sort of resounding what you need to know w-y-n-k wink what you need to know that's uh what you're doing and that's what we do at the beginning of the show and that's what we're doing here on this uh, on the pro america report is the wink this is the wink segment i'll tell you what you need to know and so important And okay here it is donald trump won the south carolina primary handily handily he also i'd say like this here's the headline Trump wins corrupt presidential primary. Now what do I mean by that? I mean by that is that the system for electing the president of the United States, the Republican and the Democrat, I know the Republican system better, uh but their Democrat is this, is very similar, it's the same uh corruption. And I, I I remember I was on the Republican National Committee for a couple of years and while I was on the Republican National Committee, I saw firsthand how corrupt the systems were. Many of the systems um very specifically uh around don't be surprised, money money and the because the republican party the national as well as state parties have become less able to uh require candidates to work through them they have to rely on the presidential primary as their big money maker So let me explain what I mean by that. After Citizens United and the dark money cases, what you ended up with was uh, more and more of the action, more and more of the uh, campaigning was happening through third party so-called super PACs. So if you're a U.S. Senator, you'd raise money. You're the one that has a lot of influence. You're going to raise your money into a super PAC that's controlled by arm's length, uh, not controlled by you formally, but arm's length is influenced and, and run by one of your colleagues. So in every state where there's an incumbent senator, both parties, there's super PACs that basically run their campaigns and the state party is less needed that's true about the national party it used to be when there are campaign limits you had to use the parties as apparatus as 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 ways to uh uh, build uh the party structure to get out the vote and everything else so today in america what you have is weakened parties and that was true at the at the national party is true at the national party also same thing happened except for every four years when there's a u.s uh, uh presidential race and they take turns. If there's an incumbent, they take turns. Obviously, from one of the uh, uh parties. If uh, if one party's got an incumbent president, you know, Obama running for re-election, there's not a Democrat primary. But then the, it's very clear how the the, the primary, how the election season is going to go. The incumbent president's going to raise gazillions of dollars. But in an open, so-called open primary, w- when there's competition, you have this racket, and the racket is set up to benefit consultants. And to benefit television and uh, media print media, as well as now social media, because you set up a dynamic where you have these this string of races, first Iowa for a caucus, then New Hampshire for a primary, then South Carolina for a primary. And at every stop, there are tens of millions of dollars spent for thousands of voters not millions of voters, thousands of voters. Now, I'm not yet telling you a better system. I'm just describing to you what's going on. And more importantly, what the control that needed to happen was big money influencing mostly TV until now. And TV would be bought by the candidate with the most money. And the candidate with the most money would then buy TV and they would persuade people in the in the uh, uh, least common denominator way, the most the, the way to move the most people. And... The primary process in many, many states now includes what are called open primaries. So you can vote for the guy or gal who you think should be your party nominee, even if you're not a member of the party. You can just that day say, I'm going to vote in that primary and they let you. It's the stupidest system. It's like electing the, you know, I always tell people it's like electing the uh, the the head of the uh, Cubs baseball team and say only Cubs fans, real Cubs fans can vote and then deciding, no, we'll let Cardinals fans vote too. It's just so stupid. It's insane. It's insane to think about it. And so uh, some number, one out of three, one out of five, whatever number of Nikki Haley's voters in uh, in South Carolina were Democrats. We're not Republicans. So you have a broken system that's predicated on massive amounts of money. Massive, massive amounts of money. Donald Trump is the first candidate ever to buck the system because what Trump did in 2016 was he had 100% name ID because he was a TV star. And then he had a really good ability to be entertaining in a way that the media covered him. So he got earned media. Now, you could say, well, back then he wasn't really covered as outrageous. He was covered as entertaining. He was sometimes outrageous. That was later when the media realized they better they better de- you know, demonize this guy in, in a substantial way so they can stop him. But so the, the primary in South Carolina that Donald Trump just won was a corrupt primary, open primary, corrupt, required tens of millions of dollars to persuade thousands of voters. That's not a way to select a president in the long run. And Donald Trump, again, he, he was the first person in generations who was able to, over the top of the system, buck the system. He was able to dominate so thoroughly he could he could didn't need their money. He didn't need. Oh, so let me let me, let me make it clear. Let's go back to 2016. It's an open Republican primary. And you say, well, now what do you need? Well, you need lots of money. Why do you need it to buy TV, to pay for mail, to pay for uh, ground game, to hire people? So you ended up with Scott Walker raising one hundred and twenty five million dollars jeb bush rating 100, raising 125 million dollars so now you have an inter-party fight amongst among the people walker and B- bush who can raise the most money walker could do it because he was a governor he had lots of contacts and he could do it bush could do it because he was a bush and the point here is that system was meant to drive out the ben carsons and anybody else who was grassroots because they couldn't raise 100 million dollars they couldn't stay in long enough and Trump was the guy that shattered that. So here we are down to today. Nikki Haley won. I think she won. What did she win? He he won by 20 percent, but she won 35 or 40 percent of the voters in, in, uh, in, in South Carolina. Why? Because they're not Republican, because it's a, pro- a corrupt system. And remember what I said. The system has all this money for television, for social media, for uh, 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 consultants, all this money. We know what they have to have is they have to have the race keep going as long as they can. They got to have a horse race because they got to have coverage so they can earn their money. They got, they want it. They want you to think that there's a real race so that you will stay tuned for Michigan this week and next week, super Tuesday and all this. It's a totally broken system. And only because of Trump, did we see someone who didn't come out of the system completely, which brings me to the future. No matter what, I would say, Donald Trump will not be a candidate for president in 2028. And which time we will back, be back to unless something changes within the RNC, within the Republican system, we'll be back to a process where you need a candidate who can raise one hundred and twenty five, one hundred and fifty million dollars to compete in the first four, five, six, seven races. And so you say, who can do that? Only people who are in office as a governor, only people who are in office as a senator and only people who are independently wealthy, think Bloomberg, but they're not that good at running. They're actually just not that good at it. They want to be good at it. They want to buy it. They can't do it. And it just doesn't usually work. Again, Trump's an exception. Ross Perot is an exception. So my challenge to you all is to realize, okay, and I'm happy Trump won that primary. I want that to be over. I want it to be head to head. The Biden policies versus what we had under Trump. Let's vote on the policies. Let's vote on how it feels to contrast the two. But what I am telling you is the American people are we're headed to in 2028 a very, troubling election cycle, unless there's some sort of changes. And the changes actually are hard to picture because you don't want to make it so, uh, you know, there's a limit on what people can spend. I think you don't want to, because the, the the liars will go around that. Only people that are law abiders and rule abiders will abide by that generally conservatives and Republicans, and they'll be beaten by the the cheaters and the, and the game players, right? The people that will play around the games, the, around the rules. So I don't know if we have a good solution yet, but I know that's what's coming. And I think that any um, serious effort to reform the Republican Party should start with changing the primary system for president. Will it? I have my doubts. Again because the people who get paid, lots of consultants, lots of media types, lots of uh, uh of special interests, they 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 pride themselves on knowing how that system works and when Donald Trump if Donald Trump's elected president, he's not going to want to use his political capital, I don't think, to fix a broken party because he doesn't need it. If he was in in his first term of 2, he'd want to fix it. I think he'll use his political capital to try to govern the country. That's where he'll have his fights. And I think that's why it's unlikely seems really unlikely that we're going to see a significant change in how things are done. That's just my instinct. Uh, but that's what I'm saying to you. That's what you need. What you need to know is Trump won in a corrupt primary system. And uh, what's going to come in the future will be a continuingly and the system is corrupt. It's the system is set up to work the way it works. And that's corrupt. So we'll see if there's any way to break that. All right. Uh, that's what you need to know today. That's uh, the wink. And don't forget, go to Phyllis Schlafly, Phyllis and sign up for the Daily Wink, or go over to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for my uh, uh, Substack uh, right there. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report, back in a moment.
4: back welcome back
3: ed martin here on the pro america report our old friend gregory Wrightstone is back with us i I had a friend of mine gregory not not someone that knew that i knew you uh refer me to your book and they said this guy gregory wrightstone has got a book you got to check this out and i said well i've heard of him i've heard of
4: him uh, a few times and so uh welcome back to the uh, program how are you sir oh really good really busy we back in arlington virginia for a few weeks but uh, two weeks ago i spent the week in wyoming where we uh, published our, our most recent report, which was called Wyoming and Climate Change. Carbon dioxide should be celebrated, not captured. And we were pushing back against Governor Gordon, uh, the GOP governor of Wyoming, his proposal to, to use carbon capture and sequestration to take, to suck carbon dioxide, the miracle molecule, out of the atmosphere. And so we, we spoke at, uh, Uh, Three community colleges, University of Wyoming, and testified uh, before the Wyoming Senate Agriculture Committee. So it was a busy week, and then off to Oklahoma City last week for.
3: Uh, well, well and, and so let me set that up a little better. I'm sorry I jumped ahead of myself. Welcome you because we know Gregory Wrightstone is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, which is based, as he mentioned, over in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, and you go to their website, CO2coalition.org, and there's a ton of information there. Um, like he mentioned, the report on Wyoming is one, but many others. He's got a, a film. We're going to probably touch on it today, maybe, but coming out in the next month or so, we'll have him back on the show. But I want to remind people about this book, um, uh, a very convenient or Warming, how modest warming and more CO two are benefiting humanity. Available everywhere you buy books, um, and uh, from Gregory Wrightstone, just out about a month, uh, six weeks, and a, a follow up to his first book, um, which was a a I don't, it wasn't a runaway bestseller. It was called In, In Inconvenient Facts, but it was a bestseller. It started slow and became something a lot, a lot of people were reading and went through a bunch of printing, So, a very convenient warming, I think, will be uh, popular and helpful. And and just for what you said, instead of just saying saying don't make us change our our entire life and economy for your hoax it's actually describing it's not so bad right i mean that's and that's the selling point i don't think people quite even are ready for that and maybe you're again you're ahead of your head of the curve yes. on this gregory
4: well, you know, we've we've talked many times over the last several years, and we always stress that there is no climate crisis, which is true. But we, we're beyond that now, and and it's really incontrovertible that by almost every metric we look at, Earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering. Humanity is benefiting. The human condition is improving, and this is I, I call it the greatest. Ed, I call it the greatest untold story of the twenty first century. The story of a prospering Earth and humanity. Uh, it's something we should celebrate, and it's completely opposite of what your listeners are being told. We're seeing that are thriving and expanding, deserts are shrinking, food production is exploding, breaking records from the coldest countries to the warmest, and almost every crop we look at is, is breaking records year after year. Year uh, oceans are or the islands are not being uh, underwater and overwhelmed by uh, greatly rising sea level rise. Uh, again, just by almost every metric we look at, things are getting better. Um, and of course, my the the cover of the book is a is is a young lady with her arms wide open, uh, over looking over sunflowers. You know, it's, it's a <laughs> method, message. It's a message of prospering prosperity and celebration of life
3: uh again our, our guest is uh, gregory Wrightstone, the executive director of uh, the, the uh, co2 coalition and you can go to their website co2 co2 coalition.org gregory um you're a geologist. You came out of the working, uh, you know, people that worked in the areas around the science of this stuff, and you saw that it was off. You thought the, the scientists, you, you didn't need COVID and the lies we saw during COVID from scientists to tell us these scientists are, they may be all on one side, but they're not telling you the, the full story. But the public, it feels like the public, I've asked this before, but it's still it feels even more today, feels like the public is getting it. That they're they're not falling for it. That that if if Greta was popular for a while, it was kind of a cute kid. Now she's a young adult and she looks out of touch to what we're going through. And and especially with inflation in America, people feel like, hey, whatever this green set of policies, it's not working, and and we don't trust you. And, am I over the public sentiment, or, or are we still feeling? Uh, do you still see a lot of uh, people that are are are, are
4: brainwashed? Oh, I, I I'm I'm with you, Ed. I I see a huge turnaround here, and every week I'm I'm pumped up. There are more stories, more people I talk to. Again, I've been traveling around, just talking to random people, uh, whether in a restaurant, between flights, or the person sitting next to me on the airplane. Invariably, that person is just they're 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 thirsty for this information that they haven't heard. They're thirsty for the actual facts of what's actually happening. about climate change, and and we see it time and time and time again. So I'm, I'm hugely optimistic, uh, and I think they've overreached because when they point to every single be- occurrence, right. um, and they tie it to climate change, too much snow, not enough snow, too much rain, not enough rain, um, and it's uh, and the things they're telling you, people can look out and see that. These disasters, although the media tries to portray these disasters as increasing, uh, the science, the facts and the data just don't support that. So, no, I'm very, very, very optimistic about this.
3: Uh, uh, Gregory Wrightstone as our guest, his book, uh, which is available anywhere you buy books, A Very Convenient Warming, How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity. Last chapter or last, I guess, section of the book, Life is Good and Getting Better. Uh, I mean, real optimism here that as you get, as we get through these sort of the hoaxes, that we've got the basics to make things work really well right i mean we we've got all kinds of uh possibilities to make uh energy costs lower uh to you know protect the waters and the and the and the uh natural environment i mean it's almost a, the sky is literally the limit
4: it is and the second section of the book really tells a story that hasn't been told very much is and that's the historical significance the, the how the rise and fall of temperature just plays right into the rise and fall of humanity. And it's just opposite of what you, I think this is the third time that I've said that just opposite of what you're being told. We're being told that we need to fear the warmth, fear the warming of the planet. But history tells us that the other warm periods that were warmer than today over the last several thousand years have been just hugely beneficial for humanity. Great empires and civilizations arose during these other warming periods, and it was the cold periods that were horrific, horrific, so they have it just backwards. We should welcome the welcome the warmth is what history tells us, and fear the cold. Gregory Wrightstone, um, I wanted this,
3: th- how about this question? Uh, if, if, if the left, uh, and the, and the people, you know, always cite like Rachel Carson's, uh, book, Silent Spring, I think it was called, and they say in the sixties, this movement started to remember to respect the environment. And it was sixty years, uh, you know, after the industrial revolution. And here we finally came and woke up. Okay. You go forward to today. What it looks like is that lots and lots of forces are able to manipulate government to make lots of money off of, uh, of 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 the green movement. Is it just a money corruption that got us so far along? Is it really a bunch of people that want control? Do you look at it and say this is governments wanting more control, telling you what to do? Wh- which do you blame more? Because what happens is you get somebody who jumps in and says, "Aha, Gregory Wrightstone, he's just he probably just defending the oil companies. They make money. Well, th- you, you follow the. The money in this it's to be green right now is to get the green but is it corruption or is it uh you know socialism
4: yeah that's a good i get this question all the time and basically what you're asking is why are they lying to us right and and right and that's as a scientist and we at the co2 coalition we stay out of the politics and You know, I can't see inside men's and women's souls to see what their motivation is. Right. It's my role as a scientist to say, okay, here's what they're telling you. And here's what the science and the facts tell us. And so, Ed, you and every single person listening to us right now is just as qualified as I am to say why they're doing it. You know, is it greed? Is it money? Is it funding? Is it, you know, I've had some people tell me it's... Uh, their goal is the destruction of Western societies and capitalism. I, I don't know. I can tell you, they're, you're being lied to, and everyone listening to this show is being lied to, about climate crisis and what's going on. Uh, and, and I can provide the science and the data that backs that, that statement up. Well, it's always
3: helpful. Gregory Wrightstone, thank you for being with us. we got to run on a deadline here. Gregory Wrightstone, again, is uh, the executive director of the CO2 CO2 Coalition, co2coalition.org. I'll put it up on uh, social media and his newest book. And we'll talk with him very soon about an upcoming movie. So we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, great to be together. We have an author with us, uh, a man who has uh, been a historian, a sociologist, uh, has written 26 books uh, in, involved in uh, all, uh, all kinds of aspects of things. This newest book came out uh, in the fall, Unbreakable Spirit Rising Above All Odds. Uh, and the author is Rainier Zeitelman How are you, uh, Dr. Zeitelman Great, thank you. So, you've written twenty six books. How do you decide to write this book, uh, uh, focusing on people with disabilities and how they succeed? What What made you write this one?
1: Because I, I hate this victim mentality. Today, almost everyone want to be a victim, especially mm. with young people. I'm a victim of capitalism. I'm a victim of sexism. I'm a victim of of racism. And I don't like this victimhood mentality. I think it makes people helpless. And so I wrote this book against victim mentality with portraits of 20 very successful disabled people. I will tell you, I'll give you an example. Yes. Someone born in the United States, 1930, and, and he was black. What was, of course, a much bigger issue in 1930 than it is today. He was born... In the poorest neighborhood of his hometown, he never met his father. His mother died when she was thirty one years old. His brother died in front of his eyes when he was six years old, and with seven years, he became blind. Do you know this man
3: uh you're going to tell me I do I think right <laughs> yes it's Ray Charles Wow,
1: and Ray Charles, according to the official uh, billboard list, is the most successful male singer in history, even more than John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and, and others. And, you know, he could feel like a victim, being blind, being black, and, uh, and poor, and so. But he never felt like a victim. And this is the secret of the success of the successful people. And I have a lot of stories in this book. Another one is also an American. His name is Eric Weinmeier. Eric Weinmeier was the first blind man to climb the Mount Everest, the Mount Everest, but this hmm. was not enough. I spoke with him. After he climbed the Mount Everest, he climbed the seven summits, the seven highest mountains on seven continents. And I have I spoke with another one who has no arms. He's born with without arms, but he's the most successful hornist uh, in the world. And even with a with a gallerist was almost blind when he opened his first very, very successful gallery. So there are a lot of stories in this book, and uh, it's important, as, as far as I see it, for two reasons. First, it's a motivating book for everyone, not only for disabled people, but if you ask yourself the question, if these people could be so very, very successful, and you, hopefully, you have two legs, two arms, you're not bound to the wheelchair, you're not blind, you're not dead. So, uh, and, and what what is the reason why you can't be successful? There is no reason. It's a kind of motivational book on one hand. And on the other hand, it's, I think, against this victimhood mentality uh let's let me add something to the story of Ray Charles of course right. ray charles had also some problems in his life he was addicted to drugs to heroin for 10 years hmm. and after the the police uh, found out and um, and they asked him to to give the name of his drug dealer and he refused to do it because he said i didn't take it it wasn't the fault of the drug dealer and and he he added something. I I did not take the drugs because I'm black, and not because I'm blind, and not because I'm poor. It's only my own decision. And you know, this is the attitude of successful people
3: uh we're talking with uh Dr. Rainer Zitelman and his book uh, we're mentioning Unbreakable Spirit and I, and I I want to encourage uh he has written uh, uh, nearly 30 books so one of the ones I believe I spoke to you on the show about but I have two on my shelf is one is uh In Defense of Capitalism and uh, How Nations Escape Poverty um Dr. Zitelman's long career was in um Communications in a way in print media and uh, and then built his own business uh, consulting and and working with companies all across the world. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, about I saw that you wrote in The Wall Street Journal about the, the the space economy. And the sort of and we have lots of news about Elon Musk and other things. Um, tell me about w- why that matters. Why does it catch our imagination? Why does it why did you write about that? And I, I, it's a similar kind of thing. It's if you're limited I, I, way, I'd say it is if you're limited by being a victim or limited by what people tell you the limitations are, you won't try anything. And that's the opposite of, I think, the American spirit, but also it's the opposite of what you refer to as uh, the sort of market forces. And tell us about that.
1: Yes, because you know, I'm anyway. I'm a I'm a huge fan of Ronald Reagan, who was right. for me the greatest president ever in the in the latest history of the of the United States. And Ronald Reagan, what a lot of people don't know, he he had a speech. Uh, this was now exactly forty years ago when I wrote. Uh, forty years before I wrote this article in the Wall Street Journal, and this was about uh, private. Um, spaceships and to that he allowed companies or uh, he cut regulations that made it difficult for private companies to to have space launchers. And what he predicted Ronald Reagan forty years ago is that the future is also not only on the earth on the earth but also in space for ultra, pri- private entrepreneurship private companies. And you see how far visioned Ron Perregg was because this is what happens today with, uh, for example, SpaceX from Elon Musk. But this is not the only one. Uh, what, I, what I said in this article in the Wall Street Journal, in the last 10 years, we had $300 billion investment in the space economy. Mm. And we have now almost 2,000, Companies, private companies who want to go to space. And I think this will make America great again, or made America great again, also in this relation. It's not government. You know what uh, the government, yes, they were successful. You, you remember John F. Kennedy's great speech in 1961, uh, his uh, moonshot speech. And the United States were the first one to go to the moon. But after this, Uh, 50 years, there was not a huge progress. And why not? Because of government. The government is slow in most cases, slow and expensive. And private entrepreneurs are fast and they make it much cheaper. Today, this uh, spaceship from Elon Musk is much, much cheaper and much, much better than every spaceship ever built by the government. And to bring it both together, my, my book um, about um, the disabled uh, uh, people and this topic, you are correct. They have two, two things together. I think America was so successful, the greatest nation ever. You know, I'm a big fan of the United States, not as it is today, but what, hmm. was, what were the United States, for example, in the Reagan's time? What were the right. United States for decades? Because of two reasons. First reason, capitalism. This is why I wrote books like In Defense of Capitalism, or now there's a new edition of The Power of Capitalism. So this was the first reason, capitalism. And the other reason is because of an attitude. The attitude, I can do it. I'm not the victim. I'm the master of my own destiny. And this is for me, the I call it the American spirit. This is right. what the People from so many countries. For example, I'm a big fan of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was the biggest bodybuilder in the world, who was governor of California. Maybe this was not his best job, but he brought a a, a movie star, one of the best paid movie stars. And he came from a simple family in in Austria. Right, right. And and, And he didn't. This attitude is what made America so successful.
3: Well, I'm, I thank you. And unfortunately, I'm out of time, but I thank you. Be, uh, your voice is wonderful. Your voice on this topic, and especially as an observer of America and uh, seeing it with a sophistication and communicating about it, I think it's very important. So thank you for uh, coming on our program. Dr. Renier Zeitelman and his book. I will put a link up on social media, uh, his recent book, but also his uh, column, his writing, which about 10 days, two weeks ago, in the uh, Wall Street Journal. And again, his book uh, is uh, available everywhere you get books i saw it over on uh, amazon unbreakable spirit rising above all odds Uh, don't be a victim so we got to take a break and we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a
5: moment
2: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
3: The late Phyllis Schlafly was an ardent defender of our American way of life throughout her career. She fought against many threats from the left, taking special care to hold the line against the feminists and their radical equal rights amendment. However, Phyllis also bravely stood against communism, a pernicious and godless ideology responsible for the deaths of many millions in the 20th century. Some say that communism is no longer an issue after the fall of the Soviet Union. But still today, communism disguises itself and finds its way into our universities at Whitworth University, students voted against hosting Xi Van Fleet, a brave survivor of Mao's communist regime. In Texas last year, students from the University of Texas in Austin marched with explicit communists against the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Many humanities departments across the country still preach communism and what we today call critical race theory is a thinly veiled form of racial Marxism. We should always be on the lookout for communist ideas sneaking into our schools and government. Phyllis collected extensive documentation about communism during her career so that we would have hard evidence of the truth, no matter the lies that the left tells. Phyllis highlighted some of the central tenets in the Communist Manifesto by Marx and Engels. These tenets include abolition of property and land, a heavy progressive income tax, abolition of all right to inheritance, Confiscation of the property of all emigrants and rebels, centralization of credit in the hands of the state and centralization of the means of communication and transportation also in the hands of the state. When evaluating our public servants, we should keep these tenets in our minds, lest we unwittingly allow communist policy to be implemented in the United States. Fair, just and low taxes, along with zero inheritance taxes, are basic benchmarks of resistance for which we should fight to preserve the American way of life.
2: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When big tech billionaires silence conservative voices on social media, the very core of American liberty vanishes. It's happening, and it's a slippery slope. At PhyllisSchlafly.com, we have a plan for protecting free speech. It starts with you. Please go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again
5: for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height stepping in real quick to fill in and wrap up the show for Mr. Ed Martin. Glad to be here with you. Thanks for letting me join for a moment. And uh, what a great show. Absolutely great show. Always good guests. Uh, we've got a lot of them coming this week. I'm excited to be a part. Uh, let me remind you first, go to ProAmericaReport.com. That's Ed's substack. You'll catch up there with what he's doing and writing about. And also go over to PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll find not only the podcast and standalone segments, all the archives of this show and the links and resources, but also the sign up for the Wink email, the daily What You Need to Know, into your inbox every morning at a.m. Eastern and all the other time zones concurrent. You will not be disappointed in signing up for that. You'll get some good cultural and political commentary, all the different things, which is what we're about to dive into here. I actually, I want to dovetail off of Ed's wink for today, the What You Need to Know. He opened the show talking a little bit about the South Carolina primary, but more than just this one specific primary, it really you know, Ed's point was a greater one, talking about the system itself, the system of primaries and how we're conducting those, what it should look like in the future, how it looks now. But I'd like to postulate something else, or prognosticate, I don't know, we'll figure out the Word. I, I wanna put something else before you and suggest this. What we saw this weekend and, and just to recap a little bit, he didn't talk about this so much, was a just a devastating defeat for the establishment wing of the party, which at this point, I think we've made ourselves abundantly clear. Nikki Haley represents the old guard and old, outdated version of republicanism that no longer exists. The neocon wing, you, you call it what you want. Political labels are finicky mistresses. I, I, I do not like trying to wade through them. What it means is is very difficult to nail down without just going issue by issue and talking about it. But a, a very interesting globalist perspective, uh, one that is not America first, one that does not represent real change, draining of the swamp, um, that wing of the Republican Party received a resounding defeat. Nikki Haley lost to Trump in her home state by several percentage points. At this point, what it's sitting at now, with almost 100% of the vote, you know, and as you know, it is, is how that works, even days later, it takes a while. Donald Trump has nearly 60%, 59.8% of the vote, almost uh, just over 450,000 votes to Nikki Haley's not even 300,000, 39.5%. Nikki Haley didn't even crack forty percent of the vote in a two-way race in her own home state. Now let's let's talk about how devastating this actually is, because that number alone is already pretty shocking, in my opinion. For for what by all appearances a popular politician from the past, from the very recent past, uh, is receiving that kind of of um, of rebuke from her people, essentially. That's that merits a, a second look. And as Ed talked about in the first Segment of this uh, program today The open primary system You just walk in and say I want the Republican ballot So when you start to break that down There's no way obviously That we can tell for sure Exactly how many I mean I I say that You know probably with enough time And with enough data We could go through and find out How many actual Republican voters Typical Republican voters took part But I would say As you look at the incredible Mounting evidence Of uh, Nikki Haley's donors And campaign courting Democrats I mean, we've got copies of the text messages that went out. They were literally courting Democrats via text and all methods of communication. This this um, organization, places like uh, Primary Pivot, which is a group staffed by a bunch of Never Trump operatives from the Lincoln Project and, and other Obama-era stuff, USAID and uh, all kinds of things. It, it, when you look at it, they courted Democrats very heavily. We don't know exact numbers, but I would imagine that if you took away the Democrat votes that came over and, and just, since Joe Biden didn't really have a primary to have to run, uh, the Democrats that came over and voted in the Republican primary, you take them away, I, I would be shocked if Nikki Haley received even 25% of the vote, maybe 20. I mean, who knows? Because we do know that her numbers, that not even 40% was bolstered by Democrat voters coming into the Republican Party primary. This is a mandate. Trump has received a mandate from Republicans in this primary, and Nikki Haley is staring it in the face. It's staring her in the face, and she's in denial. I, 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 I mean, we don't, what, the Republicans need a choice? What, What's the line here? Republicans are resoundingly saying we have made our choice. This is, I hope, a... Strong rebuke Not just of Nikki Haley I don't have anything Against her personally This is a strong rebuke I hope and pray Against the system The establishment The deep state Whatever name You would like to give to it The way that we used To do things The way that politicians Have conducted themselves This is a rebuke Of that system The Republican Party At the grassroots level Has made a drastic shift And despite all of the things I had talked about this Despite all the corruption All the system Everything that is Wrapped around And enveloped around This system The grassroots Is marching forward Delivering a very Clear message Of who they want And that person Again love him Or hate him For his personality For the characteristics That he brings And the past And all the different things That person represents Donald Trump represents The anti-establishment We must do things differently The way that Washington works Is broken he governed that way The first time we had Obviously I wish we could erase The last year I, I The COVID year was terrible From all sides The bureaucracy reigned But those first three years of Trump I think gave a glimpse At just a sliver Of what could potentially be uh, Attained If a real presidential administration With some real guts of steel Came in and started to make some change I am very hopeful That a second term Trump does that It looks as though Republican Party primary voters agree This is a huge and stunning Rebuke Of the liberal wing, of the leftist wing, of the deep state, whatever you want to call it, the not our way wing of the Republican Party. And I think that the people aren't talking about it. We need to put that in proper perspective. So that's kind of a little bit of what happened in South Carolina on Friday. Like Ed said, though, we're going to keep marching through the system and seeing what happens. It'll definitely be an interesting election cycle, even though we clearly know who the GOP nominee is going to be. There is no doubt in my mind on that. I guess the question is, when's Nikki Haley going to drop out? We'll see. Her donors are leaving. They're drying up. She lost her Coke money this weekend, but it's going to be interesting, folks. Anyway, thank you for letting me join you today. Thanks for being here. The ProAmericaReport.com, com .com websites are waiting for you to go and get the resources, and we are looking forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on the next ProAmericaReport. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody.